0: Tipping back in chairs. Sally and I like tipping back in chairs, but it hurts Sally's grandmother, Willie, to see us do it. That's because Willie's childhood friend, Sarah, tipped back too far in a chair the day she graduated from high school and broke her neck and died. Every time Willie sees someone tipping back in a chair, she tells that person about Sarah, about the navy blue velvet dress she was wearing, and how fast it all happened. When I see Sally tipping back in a chair, I give her a look and snap my yellow rubber band. But she just laughs and tips back farther. Number four, the white one, covering my mouth when I laugh. Once at a restaurant in Utica with my parents, I saw a girl with short hair and slightly long bangs. She covered her mouth with her hand when she laughed. And since she seemed to laugh all the time, her hand was constantly covering her mouth. It annoyed me, the sight of this girl constantly laughing with her hand over her mouth. She was irritating. Then I realized that it was one of those restaurants with a mirror running all along the opposite wall so that what you think is a whole other room is actually just the reflection of the room you yourself are sitting in. The irritating girl was me. Number five, the pink one. Whistling under my breath so that it drives other people crazy. I'm not a good whistler. What I call a whistle is a mutant form of whistling that sounds like the faintest recorder in the world playing itself out of tune. That's what Sally told me once anyway. There's another rubber band too, number six, purple. It's the one highest on my forearm. It hurts the most when it's snapped. What I tell people if they ask is that my purple rubber band stands for remember to wear your glasses. When I put my glasses on, the world is sharp-edged and bright. When teachers ask why I'm not wearing my glasses, I tell them that I just forgot to, which is sometimes true, but sometimes not. Most people don't know that a little fuzziness isn't always a bad thing. There's another reason why I keep the purple band on my wrist, but that reason I don't talk about. Chapter 2. Sally Hobart is my best friend. Here is a partial list of what I know about Sally. Name: Sally Wilmarth Hobart. Favorite smell: wood smoke. Favorite kind of cheese: Limburger. Favorite season: spring. Favorite color: White. Best friend. Eddie Becky. Favorite food. Chocolate-covered sprinkle donuts from the bakery at the back of Jewel's Groceries. I know so much else about Sally. Her favorite books, the contents of her locker, the fact that on cheese pizza day she will buy, instead of bring, her lunch. Her preferred Monopoly piece, the only piece she will play with? The dog, because she's always wanted one. She used to suck her thumb, but forced herself to stop. Her favorite class is earth science. Favorite body of water? The meander that twists its way through the meadow below her house. Favorite place in the world? The cabin, where every summer we go camping. I could make a list of everything I know about Sally. But I wouldn't, because Sally says that my lists are spontaneity crushers. Willie says that Sally is a sugar fiend. Sally, Willie says, consider the cave children. Did they wake up in the morning craving chocolate-covered sprinkle donuts? Cave children probably ate bloody chunks of raw meat for breakfast, Sally says, and they lived in caves. I'd rather live in a house and eat sprinkle donuts. Willie thinks of herself as an anti-sugarist. Given a choice between salty and sweet, Sally's grandmother, Willie, will choose salty every time. That's why she prefers crackers over cookies. She bakes them herself. She rolls the cracker dough out thin on a cookie sheet and pricks it all over with a fork. After the dough is baked, when it's brown and cool, she breaks it into pieces. She bakes all kinds of crackers, cracked pepper parmesan, plain soda, Vermont cheddar with maple syrup? Sometimes I look up cracker recipes in the library so as to test her with the names of weird ones. Crackers I had never even imagined the existence of. Sally's grandmother knows all about. But still, she buys sprinkle donuts for Sally. One of these days, I'm going to stop and buy chunks of raw meat instead so that you can work on your cave girl technique, she says. You just watch. She's been saying that for years. What Sally loves most? Willie. What Willie loves most? Sally. I once would have thought there was nothing I didn't know about my best friend, but on the last day of sixth grade, that changed. Sally and I were riding the bus home to North Stearns, out here on the Remsen border, where the foothills rise up purple and shadowy, and it came to me that I hadn't seen Sally's grandmother for a while. Where was she? Why was she not tromping her way south along Route 274, scissoring both her arms at us to say hello as we passed her? Where was she, Willie, with her green pail and her keep-away-the-dog stick, I realized that I had not been to dinner at Sally's house in a while. I could see the red-and-white checked tablecloth that Willie spreads in my honor, and I could smell the spaghetti sauce she makes for us, her hours-long spaghetti sauce whose secret ingredient is V8 juice. Yes, V8, bubbling away on the stove. Sally, where's your grandmother? Sally was next to me on the long, green vinyl seat of the bus, eight seats behind Shari, the driver. Sally had opened up her lunchbox and was eating the apple she hadn't eaten at lunch. She usually saves something for the bus ride. It's a long one, especially the way Shari drives. You would think, looking at her, that Shari would drive fast and curse a lot, but no. Sally? Sally munched on. Is she sick? She's fine, Sally said around her mouthful of apple. Why isn't she out walking then? Sally sat there next to me on the green vinyl seat, crunching away on that apple. She didn't look at me. Something flitted through me, a shadow of a feeling that made my stomach flutter. I gazed out the bus window and willed Willie to appear. I willed her arms to be up in the air, waving her hello to us. I willed her to be around the next curve, her big smile and her green pail. She wasn't. Sally didn't say anything. I felt for my purple rubber band. Snap. Chapter 3 In the woods behind the cabin, a blue bicycle hangs in a tree. As far as I know, only two people here in Stearns know about the blue bicycle, and those two people are Sally and me. We discovered it by accident one day when we were seven, which, according to Sally's grandmother, Willie, is the age of reason. So, Willie said, seven. It was July, the summer after second grade. Sally and I were born in July. We were standing in her kitchen. "'Seven,' Willie said again. "'The age of reason. "'Has the world unfolded itself to you in all its mystery and power, "'and do you now understand your purpose in it?' "'Sally and I looked at each other, then back at Willie. "'We nodded, but we had no idea what she was talking about. "'Excellent,' she said. "'Have a cracker.' "'We ate our crackers and went out to the woods near the cabin.' "'maples and oaks, mostly, with a few butternuts here and there. "'That day we went farther than we had ever gone before, "'into what felt like deep woods. "'It was Sally who saw it first. "'She pointed, and my eyes followed her pointing finger. "'Is that a bicycle?' I said. "'Sally lowered her finger. "'Yes, it is,' I answered myself. "'It's a blue bicycle.' We stood there shading our eyes against the sun and staring up at that maple tree, the maple tree where a blue bicycle hung suspended, its frame and one tire wrapped around, grown into, the branches. The blue bicycle had been in that tree for a long time. Even at seven, we knew enough to know that.